Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Brought to you by Active Iron on News Talk. How much do you pay to go to the GP? Because I was looking at this survey today. It was carried out for the Department of Health by um, Ipsos, the Behaviour and, and Attitudes poll. One third of you are paying between 51 to 75 euro for your appointment. The highest prices in Dublin, hardly, hardly surprising. But one in six are paying €26 to 50 quid, And my initial reaction was, where are you paying €26 in Ireland? Let me know where that is. Does it put you off, though, going to the GP? And how much are you charged? Dr Siobhan Chidley, um, who, of course, some of you will will know from our own Ask the GP here on a Monday afternoon, is is with me on the programme today. Siobhan, why is there such a disparity between prices for appointments? Hello, Andrea. Well, I suppose it reflects the costs of running the practice. Obviously, in Dublin, it costs a whole lot more to run a practice than in, you know, rural Ireland. It's probably costly. You know, it's all about running costs and, you know, the GPs do have to make it work. As in the rent, is that what you mean by the running costs? Yeah, well, the rent. I mean, the rent is a big, it's a big cost in running, running a practice. You know, and obviously the rents up in Dublin are going to be a whole lot different in, in the country. And, you know, the rent is paid for by the GP. You know, generally, practices are not in HSE-run buildings, and it's definitely not for, for um, if it's a private practice. You know, the, the rent is covered by the GP, just like any ordinary business. So it's the rent of the building. And, and what are the other running costs then that there might, you know, be such a disparity, Siobhan? There's rent. There's, well, the, the electricity, obviously, and heat is going to be the same as it is across the country. But some practices are really big and you have to heat the place. And it's very important to keep the place heated, the electricity, and then the amount of administrative staff. The amount of administrative staff that we have to have these days has just escalated between manning the phones, the, you know, all the, all the administration that goes with it. And you know, obviously the other thing that has come in that was not years and years ago is the IT the cost of computers, the licenses, the internet, everything like that costs a fortune. And then as well as all the other little machines that we have to run. You know, the 24-hour blood mm. pressure monitors, the ECG machines, the, you know, the, the AED. The, you know, there's so many things that have to be paid for that isn't covered under, say, for example, the DMS contract. And it all has to come out of, you know, into the running costs, yeah. which comes out of the private income in general. Sheena's a pharmacist, Siobhan. Sheena's with us on the line too. Like, do you find, Sheena, many people come to you because they maybe just can't afford to go to the GP to pay the appointment? Yeah, but on that, actually, and it's funny, I was speaking to a GP friend of mine this morning. That's actually the way it should be in many cases. So GPs obviously have a lot of medical card holders and that has increased again recently. And they're actually not being paid a huge amount, you know, per patient visit, really, for those consultations and all that goes with it. And I think that, you know, when a GP appointment is free, because you can go an unlimited time Mm. to the GP, then you're having people go to the GP maybe before they need to, where they should be going into a pharmacy system first maybe for triage and this is something I've spoken an awful lot about over the past year. I think that we have a real difficulty in this country where patients are not able to access the healthcare system at the most appropriate level for their illness. So for example, like I completely agree with your speakers there your speaker there. 
GPs have a lot of issues. It's the same for us in community pharmacy. We obviously have a retail element as well as being healthcare professionals. But keeping staff, you know, on the wage books and the cost of professional indemnity insurance and IT, as your guest said, all of this, you know, has completely risen over the last few years. And we get very little and no support from the HSE. Like our fees haven't gone up at all to reflect this since the the financial emergency measures came in. And it's really, really disheartening because we are struggling to be able to have correct staff levels to maintain, you know, really professional services. So I think the whole system needs to be looked at because we really need people to access the healthcare system at the most appropriate level Mm. so that the doctors, like there isn't enough doctors. GPs, unfortunately, you know, are struggling to keep up with demand. And as my colleague, my GP friend earlier was saying to me, they would be quite happy for us to be able to remove some of the minor ailments and, you know, mild acute illnesses from their appointment list so that they have time to deal with the chronic disease management of patients who, you know, they're not able to keep up with because they're so busy. So I think a team effort is really what's needed here and a patient-centric focus. Would that work, Siobhan? Dr. Chidley? Yes, it would. Yes, it would be enormously helpful. I mean, they, I mean, there's a lot of patients who are seeing the GP and accessing the GP that can access healthcare and bits of advice from other other healthcare professionals. I mean, the pharmacy is enormously helpful to us, and it would help. And it is, it does need to be a team think. There needs to be a team think of where people can access sort of simple advice which doesn't require the GP. And then the other the other slight problem is the GP visit card. Because when a, when a person comes in with a GP visit card, they don't have to pay for the doctor, but they still have to pay for their pharmaceuticals. So that becomes problematic. because they've, So they're coming to us with basically the advice because it's free. But if they go to the pharmacy, they do have to still pay for the medication. Mm-hmm. So it is a barrier to people coming as well, although it's helpful to them to get the advice from the GP. It's very tricky sometimes to have to go and pay for the medication. And what's the point of the advice if you can't get the medication that goes with it? Uh, 70 euros for the GP in Galway says this texter and other listeners wondering why is there such a wide range um, of price variations though I'm in Nace I pay 80 quid to see the doctor my sister's in Newbridge though and she pays 50 surely the rent couldn't be much higher uh, between Nace and Newbridge asks this listener Tracy's with us on the line as well Um, Tracy what's your experience? Um, I have a a medical card because I'm on disability and I have autoimmune disorders Um, the big thing is bloods for me. It's 20 euros each time and 30 if it's a consultant thing. And I get my bloods done quite regularly because I'm on immunosuppressant medication. Um, I have to get it done monthly at the moment. It was every two weeks. So it's quite expensive when you have to have it done that regularly. Now, I do understand they, I think they have to get it sent by courier to the hospital where they're sending it to, but... It is quite hard when you're on disability. That's a, a low income when you're having bloods done that regularly. So it's it's twenty euro you're paying for your bloods, Tracy, and that's even even though you have a, you have a medical card. Yeah, yeah. And is it, there's have you talked to the GP about that, or is, is there any way of like that's just that's just the cost. That's it. That's what you have to pay. I I might have to have a chat with them because. I, like the last day I went in, I now if I don't have the money on the day, I can pay it another day. Like they're mm. not looking for it straight away if I don't have it. But 
it is quite hard. Like the last day I got yeah. done, I didn't have the money. <laughs> and that's twenty euro you know? each each week, and and presumably that'll be, you know, for for the foreseeable future, Tracy. Oh, it will be. Yeah, I'll have to have it done monthly now for every month, like. My local oh. G, my local GP. This texter says there were um, is seventy euro. It was fifty euro before COVID. Um, another texter. My daughter requested her GP to write a letter of support in a dispute that she's having with her health insurer. The GP charged my daughter one hundred and twenty euro to write the letter. Uh, I thought it was very sharp practice. As this listener, Pauline is on the line as well. Pauline, like, what's your experience? Is it is it you know is it is is the cost of going to the GP? A barrier. Um, I think it is to some degree, but I think what bothers me more than anything is the fact that you have to go to a GP to get a referral letter um, for a consultant. Now that's okay if it's a you know brand new problem or something like that. But if you have a history, a family history, and you have to regularly go for um, diagnostics, you know maybe annually or or you know every two years or whatever. You should be able to just ring up the consultant, make an appointment and and have your appointment. Um, I have a friend from the Czech Republic and that's how it operates there. Instead, I clog up the system. I have to pay for a doctor's consultancy just to write a letter of referral to something that I go every year anyway. Um, one particular doctor charged me the consultancy fee to see her and then an extra €20 Euro to to refer me, even though I only went to her for a referral. For the referral, right. You know, so it just seems crazy. Why can't, you know, if you need something regularly, be it a mammogram or a colonoscopy or whatever, that, you know, if it's a family history or if it's a chronic ailment or if you've had problems in the past and you've been advised to get these these, uh, tests done regularly, why not be in a position where you can just ring up and and organise it for yourself instead of having to go through doctors all the time? Siobhan, what is the reason for that? It's just can't have self-diagnosis like for insurance purposes. You'd have to have a referral, is it, from the GP? Well, it depends. It's a mixed question there. If you're a tender, if you've been, if you have a chronic ailment and you've been referred to a consultant managing that, then you can just ring up and get an appointment. So if you have for example, a cardiac um, issue and you're with a cardiologist, the cardiologist your review is three to six monthly and the cardiologist will call you and you don't go back to the GP. But what this listener seems to be saying is it's mammograms. The mammogram is a radiology test and somebody has to follow up on the test. So it's not that the radiologist doesn't follow up on the test and out come the results. It's the, it's the doctor who does it. So for example, if you're, for example, with a breast clinic, the breast clinic will do that. But if you just require a mammogram, you have to go to your GP so that they can follow up the results. I was going for for physio um, recently, Siobhan, and and my physio actually wants me to go to get a um, a scan or an MRI of, of of my knee. And she made the point to me that like it used to be the case that she would be able to give me the referral letter, you know, to to go to the clinic to get the the scan. But that has apparently all changed now. So now I have to go in, book the appointment with the GP, go to the GP, pay the seventy five quid, then go for the scan. But that seems to be a new thing that was brought in. It does seem to be a new thing. And it's possibly because um, if, if there's an abnormality in the scan that the physio can't manage, then it does, the, the, the person will be need, needing referring on to orthopedics 
or there may need to be another opinion or another course of action that the GP can do. So it's about accountability for the result and who is accountable for the result. And it's, you know, it's all well and good when the result is normal, but when the result is abnormal, it needs to be followed up and the followed up needs to be thorough and somebody needs to be owning the result together with the patient so that it ensures that the patient gets the best care and nothing through it. Okay. Sheena, listeners wondering like about, you know, going to the pharmacist or asking their, their pharmacy maybe about small or, or more minor ailments. But like if it was a case that pharmacies were able to do a little bit more of that work to alleviate the pressure off the GPs, presumably though patients would still have to pay for that. So it depends. Like under the proposals that I was, you know, proposing, if you're a medical card, we would presume that the health service would pay for that like they would pay the GPs. So like there's many conditions that we can prescribe for it that, for example, this is being rolled out in the UK. It was in Scotland when I was there, you know, 15 years ago, and it's being rolled into England now as well, following on from the success. So there able to treat for things like sore throat, infected ears, bacterial skin infections, eczema, impetigo, shingles. But of course, we'd need to be paid for that because all of these things, we wouldn't just be able to hand out medication on request. It would require a consultation Mm. to make sure it's appropriate. We also have to do clinical checks to make sure that we are the right access point for that patient. We aren't GPs, but we do have a lot of training in the diagnosis and treatment of minor ailments and acute you know, minor um, illness. So using our community pharmacies as a resource, you know, is just sensible. We have 85% of our population living within 5K of the community pharmacy. So we're really accessible and we want to be able to provide this service. But just like with the GPs, we need to make our health service somewhere that professionals want to work. Like when you look at the price disparity, and I don't know about this, but this is speculation on my part. But if you look at a GP practice who's very heavy in medical cardholder patients and has a small private practice, if you look at that, the breakdown of that business, GPs are getting paid €185 per year per patient for a medical card patient. And that patient can visit as many times as they want. And as your doctor there said, you know, there's a lot of follow-up that needs to be done and a lot of bureaucracy and a lot of administration, just like in community pharmacy. Mm. And a lot of it could be completely streamlined and made so much more easy if we had a proper e-health system. So a digital health record for patients. And that would also help to roll out seamless care between pharmacies, GPs and hospitals, which again would, you know, reduce the need for such laborious communication methods between the three streams of our health service. And, uh, um, you know, sorry. No, go on ahead. Go on, go on ahead, Jean. Yeah, so if you have a GP who is you know, the average medical card patient goes six times a year. So that's working out at around €31 a visit. And then you, you know, they're trying to pay their indemnity insurance, their staff wages, which are going up all the time, their rent. Like, that's not probably adequate. And you can see then why maybe they'd need to increase the price for the private patients. And I'm not saying that's right. Yeah, like... Yeah, so the private patients are subsidising the government and adequacies, in my view. So I think, you know, we need reform. 
70 euro for a basic GP appointment, says this texter. An extra 10 quid for bloods, an extra 20 for an ECG with the nurse, even though you don't have any cardiac issues. It's basically 100 quid when you go for your six monthly prescription. That's in Waterford City. Another listener, why is it free for so many and yet so expensive for the remainder of us? Well, I think uh, Sheena, the pharmacist, just explained that there. This listener says, my GP won't ring you with the blood test now or the x-rays. You actually have to make a new appointment to hear the results of the tests. Well, I presume is that maybe something to do with um, having a chat with you if there's a referral or I don't know what the reason for that is. My own issue is that when you have to do or if you're looking to get a quick appointment and you manage to get a phone call appointment, not even talking about the Zoom um, appointment, just a phone call, maybe three and a half to four minutes, still paying 75 quid. I know I had to do that quite recently for that. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Weekdays at midday. Brought to you by Active Iron on News Talk.